I dreamt that I went to heaven and an angel was showing me around. We walked side by side inside a large workroom filled with angels. My angel guide stopped in front of the first section and said, This is the receiving section. Here, all the petitions to God in prayer are received. I looked around in this area and it was terribly busy with so many angels sorting out petitions written on voluminous paper, sheets and scraps from people all over the world. Then we moved on down the long corridor until we reached the second section. The angel then said to me, this is the packaging and delivery section. Here the graces and blessings of the people asked for are processed and delivered to the living persons who asked for them. I noticed again how busy it was there. There were many angels working hard at that station since so many blessings had been requested and were being packaged for delivery in earth. Finally, at the farthest end of the long corridor, we stopped at the door of a very small station. To my greatest surprise, only one angel was seated there, idly, hardly doing anything. This is the acknowledgement section. My angel friend quietly admitted to me, almost seeming embarrassed. How is it that there is no work going on here, I asked. So sad, the angel sighed. After people receive the blessings that they ask for, very few send back acknowledgments. How does one acknowledge God's blessings, I asked. Simple, the angel answered. Just say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> what blessings should they acknowledge, I asked. The angel explained. If you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the people of the world. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, change in a dish on your dresser, then you're among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you're more blessed than many who will not even survive this day. If you have never experienced the fear in battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you are ahead of 700 people in this world. <laughs> this is one of those things that passes around the internet. And I understand that. But, but it serves, I mean it does serve a purpose. It serves to underline, really kind of underscore the reality that, that in this world where there is so much hurt and there is so much pain and there is so much loss. That, that we are a blessed people. Amen? How many people here feel that you're blessed? Just invite you to raise your hand for a moment. I mean, we are a blessed people. I mean, in spite of all the things that are going on in the world, we are, are just covered with blessing. I mean, everywhere we turn, we, we, we are blessed in this place that we live, in this space that we occupy. So with all the blessing that surrounds us, I guess the question that I have to ask this morning is, is what difference does Easter make? I mean, if, if we are surrounded by all this blessing and we have so much, I, I'm, I'm asking the question, I'm wondering, really, I mean, what difference does Easter make? I mean, Easter must be viewed within the context of, of the greater vision. I mean, the concept that God is up to something. And in the context that we understand that we are moving towards this, this, this really reality, this event, that, that, that God is doing something, that it's within the context of a Christian calendar. A calendar that is kind of directing and pointing us in this direction as we are going through the experience and the process of Lent 
As we're listening to the voice of God, we have this, this nudging that is reminding us that this is a God that broke open human history and he made himself present in the form of a baby and grew up. And as a man, he ended up on that hill that we call Calvary. Yes, it is no question in my mind that, that Easter is something that not only happened in history, but it's more than just a commercialized day that's for gain. It's something that is bigger than that. It is something that's more than an event. It is something that is, that is awesome. It is something that, that God has given us that, that has purpose. And you say, well, what is the purpose? Well, I propose this morning, as we move towards Easter in this beginning series, I propose that the purpose of Easter is to give us a spiritual vision of God's kingdom. I mean, we've been talking about vision. In fact, we had a communication dinner and we sat down together, many of us at tables, and we talked about the vision of our campus and the vision of, of ministry and the vision that, that we could do things in this community. But, but I, I guess I'm wondering, I mean, if Easter really makes a difference, then what is the spiritual vision that God is laying on each and every one of our hearts this morning? I mean, if, if, if Easter is something that's more than a holiday, what is the spiritual vision that God is putting upon your heart to be a part of what it is that God's doing? I mean, God's work, and more explicitly, the work of God within his kingdom. Because I believe that that begins with vision. It begins with a vision that God lays upon our heart, a, a vision of the role that we are living out in God's kingdom, the vision of the church and how the church impacts this, this community that we call San Diego and the vision that becomes a reality because it's like Easter becomes this lens that we look at that reality through. I, I wonder, I mean, really, what is the spiritual vision that God has laid on your heart? I, I remember as a young father, um, our youngest son, Heidi, Abram, he was about maybe three years old when we began to realize that, that Abram probably had some vision issues. In fact, he would uh, get up against the TV about this far away and he'd watch TV from here. And we'd take him and we'd move him back just a little. We'd pick him up and move him back. You're going to ruin your eyes, kid. And he'd crawl back forward to the TV and get back close to the TV. So we realized that probably Abram had some vision problems. In fact, we took him to the doctor and... Uh, they found out that he did. In fact, his eyes, if you know anything about you know, how that works, his eyes were like plus 11 and plus 13, which is legally blind. And so, of course, they ordered lenses for him and some glasses. And uh, we'll never forget those little glasses. Heidi's actually saved them. They're tiny little guys. I mean, for our three-year-old, four-year-old, I'm not sure how old he was, but very, very young. I I'll never forget when we picked up those glasses and he put them on. And he was sitting in the back seat back over here to my right, and um, my wife was up here. And he says, Dad, we're driving home. I mean, he's so small, you can barely see over the, you know, up to the window. and couldn't even see out the window, really, because he's below the window. So he's kind of looking up. And, and he says, Dad, and I glance back at him like this, and he's looking up like this. And he says, Dad, what, what are those white things in the sky? He had never seen clouds before as he just had never seen gravel on the road before because his vision was so bad, but the corrective lenses changed all that. The corrective lenses kind of opened up this brand new world and all kinds of color came alive in him because he, he had that corrective lens. Folks, that's what Easter is for the believer. Amen. It opens up a whole new world in all kinds of color and all kinds of potential. It's a vision 
of the kingdom of God. That's what I propose that we are focusing on this particular Easter season. You say, well, pastor, what does it mean to have a vision of the kingdom of God? I, I want to go to a familiar part of the scripture that you, you know, which is Matthew chapter 5. So take a moment. Let's all turn there. We go to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to look at a few verses there in Matthew chapter 5. And, and specifically, I want to look at verse 3. Because what this shows us, I believe, is that a vision of the kingdom of God. Now listen to this. A vision of the kingdom of God is a vision of authenticity or a vision of being authentic. In fact, I imagine as Jesus sat down there on the, the, the hillside there by the Sea of Galilee. In fact, it's a place, a space that my wife and I we have been to, and I'll never forget standing there on the side of that hill as the wind was blowing and whipping our hair and the grass was about this tall and there was the waves of grass in front of us and we could see the Sea of Galilee down there in the valley. And I'm just imagining this Jesus, the scripture says, he sits down. He sits down to speak and there's no PA and no electricity. And so I imagine that he's raising his voice because he wants the people that have gathered to hear him and he says these words there in verse 5. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> I cannot imagine more authentic words than these words that were spoken at that time. I mean, the idea, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are, are those that are, that are poured out and those that are broken before the Lord and realize that really the strength is from our God. I cannot imagine a more humble state to be in than to be broken and humbled before the Lord. Oswald Chambers, I quote him from one of his devotions. He writes this. Listen to this. He says, If we are to be ready to see Christ, we must stop being religious. That kind of rocked my world just a little bit. I mean, for to be ready to see Christ, we must stop being religious. And, and, and that troubles me because I'm, I guess I'm kind of religious. But if we're really ready to see Christ, we must stop being religious, which means that we must stop using religion as if it were some kind of lofty lifestyle. And, and it means that we move into a space that is, is now a space that we are spiritually real and real with each other and spiritually real with God, that, that, that we are, yes, humbled and poured out before the Lord to be spiritually real. You say, well, how, how do we be spiritually real? Well, we look at Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 2. And what does he say? The, the, the Hebrew writer says, look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus as we understand what it means to be spiritually real. I mean, how do we live out our faith like Jesus would intend us to live that faith out that, that is authentic? I mean, I think that's kind of a word that we really are sensitive about these days, that, that we're authentic about our faith and that it's not a faith that's put on. It's not a, a faith that's superficial. It's not this surface thing that, okay, you know, I'm acting this way because, you know, I'm a Christian. But, but I, I am this way because Jesus is living in me and Jesus is living through me. And I as a Christian and you as a Christian are becoming the hands and the, the feet of Jesus as we are authentic in our, in our faith. I, I look at this passage, blessed are the poor in spirit. <laughs> the spirit that realizes its riches is in Christ. It means that we are living not in an inauthentic way. I mean, how do we do that? How do we think about it for a moment? I mean, think for a second. How do we live inauthentically? Because I, I think that, of course, is a bad example for the kingdom. How do we live sometimes 
How do we live inauthentically? Somebody just say, how are we living sometimes inauthentically? Anybody, out loud. Anybody, how do we live sometimes inauthentically? Anybody, just yell it out. Say it again. We're always fine. That's kind of inauthentic. We're not always fine. How else do we live inauthentically? Somebody, what else? How do we live inauthentically sometimes? How about, how about lying? How about sometimes, you know, we're more into the manipulation than we are sincerely into the person? I mean, how do we live sometimes inauthentically in a way that we, we know is not authentic living, but yet we look at the passage here in the gospel and it calls, calls us to authenticity? Amen. And I think the fact is, as we understand that and process that, that we find that is the very opposite of the idea of heart holiness. I mean, we were talking about that last week. What's it mean to have a holy heart? And I think part of the holiness of God is that there is an authenticity that is the result of being transparent with the Father in heaven who is our creator. Amen. So spiritual authenticity or a spiritual vision of authenticity means that we are setting our thoughts on how Jesus would think. We're setting our hearts on what it is that Jesus would want. And we would begin to be devoted to living the way Jesus would live his life, not the way the pastor thinks you should live your life or a church thinks you should live your life or your mother-in-law thinks you should live your life, but the way that Jesus would want you to live your life. Amen. And so I, I think that when we live that way, it's not only countercultural, it's probably going to make you a little bit weird. <laughs> because people's going to look at you and they're going to scratch their head. Wow, man, why, why are they doing that? Because we're living authentically. And we're, we're living in a way that glorifies the Father. So that is the first uh, idea here in regards to having a spiritual vision of the kingdom of God. A vision of the kingdom means that we are, we are authentic. We are living authentically. The second one is what? The second one, fill in the blank there, it, it's compassion. In fact, we go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Follow me now. Stay in the word with me. Matthew 5, looking at verse 7. And he says this. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So now there's this vision that unfolds of, of hope and there's a vision of, of help that comes because there's this merciful God and it is a vision that is unfolding and we have these visions that glorify the kingdom and it's a part of God's plan because he is willing this to be his plan. In fact, I, I come against uh, or across a quote by the name of uh, T.E. Lawrence and he once said this about, about having visions or dreams, and, and I want to share it with you this morning. He wrote, all men dream, but not equally. That's an interesting thought by itself. All men dream, but not equally. Those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds awake to the day to find it all vanity. But the dreamers of the day are dangerous women and men. For these ones act out their dreams with open eyes to make the impossible possible. Imagine a vision of a church bringing hope and help to others. I mean, imagine setting our focus on and impacting people's lives in such a way that there is this purpose that comes out of it. I mean, imagine as we begin to think about church and think about what God can do through the ministry of Mission Church of the Nazarene. I mean, imagine this vision that we are so bold in being compassionate that the city and the community around us will scratch their head and say, wow. What is that church doing? 
I want to invite you to watch this video. It's a video uh, about a, a news station, not a church, but a news station that, that uh, comes across the story of this family that already has like four or five kids of their own, but their neighbor dies of cancer. They have three kids. They take those kids on. Watch this video. I think it will move your heart.
over here. We're ready to get your wallet. Uh, Station Casinos has you all taken care of for the rest of the week, and we'll see you in a few days. We thank you guys so much. You guys are definitely a Christmas miracle. So we told this mom that we're just putting up a wall, but in true surprise squad fashion, we're doing so much more. Well, we're going to be moving every piece of furniture out of this home so you guys can come in and redo the carpets and paint. Because of our community partners like Ryder Construction and City of North Las Vegas, we're able to come in here and do about six weeks of work in about three or four days. Uh, we're painting the entire inside of replacing closet doors that have been broken, cleaning up the landscaping, we replace all the carpet upstairs. We're doing everything we can to make this house a home. And thanks to our community, a truck full of furniture. Through very generous friends, we were able to raise the money for the furniture. It's important to give back and to show our kids the meaning of what the holidays are about. It's amazing with the number of teams that have come together to help the family get into this house. It's one of the biggest projects the Surprise Squad has done yet. And we came out in full force. That's really important that this family has a nice home for Christmas and then obviously gifts are the
family have been the way that we've always been. We're happy. I, I love all eight of them. And as long as they're happy, I'm happy. <coughs> <coughs> Amen. I guess the question that that begs this morning, as we look at that very moving clip today, is how can we show compassion? I mean, as a church, how can we show compassion for Christ? I mean, it's not about the money and all the things and all the stuff, but I mean, how, how can we impact our, our community and how can we impact our city for Jesus Christ, I mean, in such a way that people will scratch their heads and say, wow, why are they doing that kind of thing? It won't surprise me when, when people will approach me or somebody will say, Pastor, I have this idea. In fact, after the early service, somebody came up to me, two people, and said, Pastor, I have this idea. I said, well, get some help. I mean, it will not surprise me when part of the vision of the kingdom of God is, is, it is not just authenticity, it is that, but it's also a, a spirit of compassion and, and that we are compassionate as a church and we're compassionate with one another, but we are compassionate to our community in such a way that people's lives will be transformed and impacted because this church has been mobilized for the glory of God. Amen. I cannot wait to see what God is going to do. And then that brings us to the third response in regards to, to a, a vision, a spiritual vision of the kingdom. And the last one is this. A spiritual vision of the kingdom of God is redemptive. It's a spiritual vision of, of, of God's redemption. In fact, we look at Matthew. Go back to the word again. Matthew chapter 5 and looking at verse 10 with me. Follow me now. Go to verse 10. And he, he says this. Jesus preaches this. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, the great redemptive nature of the gospel is the promise of the kingdom of heaven. And you know, we've heard stories of heaven. How many have ever heard a story of heaven? Or how many have ever heard the story of somebody dying and they were dead for four minutes or maybe for 15 minutes? And, and maybe it's the story that, that we maybe watched at the movies called Heaven is for Real. The idea that there is this place that is heaven and, and we talk about the spectacular colors and the vividness of the experience of heaven. But, but, you know, the scripture is kind of clear about what we can know, what we cannot know about heaven. But what I want to share with you this morning is that the redemption of the kingdom of heaven begins right now. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven. It's the redemption of God that is for mankind right now. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And that kingdom is now, and that kingdom is for you, and it's for those that need the redemption of God. Amen. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I know this, that Jesus loves you this morning. And Jesus wants to be a part of your life. I, I think of the words of Christ in Matthew when he said, Suffer little children, forbid, forbid them to not come unto me. For such is the kingdom of heaven. And that is about the innocence of approaching the throne of God with, with that, that authentic, sincere heart. But it's also a Jesus that is present. It's also a Jesus that is, has his arms spread like this. And he says, I receive you just as you are. And I love you just as you are. You see, part of the message of the redemption of the kingdom of heaven is, is that God is a redemptive God. And then the last idea is this, that that redemption is for you. God is here to redeem you. God wants to, 
to bless you. God wants to wash you clean of your past. God wants to accept you exactly as you are. I don't know what it means for you to have a spiritual vision of the kingdom of God, but I believe that this can stir the juices, so to speak, as we approach Easter, allowing God to create in us the spiritual vision of what he wants to do with us, what he wants to do as a church, maybe what God wants to do in your heart as you get a vision that God is a redemptive God. A vision like this where Jesus is spreading his arms and he says, I accept you and I receive you just as you are. I want to invite you to receive Jesus this morning just as you are. Let's bow our heads for just a moment and close our eyes and think about the redemption of of, of God, that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of redemption, that God redeems us, that God washes us and he forgives us and he receives us just as we are. It's hard to imagine that. I mean, in the world where there's so much judgment and so much heartache, it's hard to imagine that there's this God that is our creator that loves us for who we are. He'll receive us just like we are this morning. I thank you, Father, for that. I I thank you, God, that you love us, Lord, just as we are. I know that, Lord, sometimes... We want to think or we tend to think that, you know, maybe we need to fix this or fix that before I get serious about my relationship with God. But I know that, Father, that that is not that is not the word. That is not your truth. You love us exactly as we are and you received us this morning, no matter how bad we've been. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just speak to that one heart today. I pray that you'd move the the mind of that one this morning that is doubting what it is that you can do. That they would receive your grace. That receive your your redemption. And that, Father, with an authentic spirit, I pray that we would be real with you. That, Lord Jesus, that we would be transparent with you, Father, as, as we receive your redemption for life. Their heads bowed and eyes closed. And I don't know what it is that the Lord is speaking to you about. Maybe it's a vision that God has given you about his kingdom. Maybe it's a vision that God has given you about Mission Church of the Nazarene. And and you're going to step up and say, hey, pastor, I have an idea. I want to impact our city for God in this way. Hallelujah. Maybe the simple vision you have in your mind this morning is that Jesus, his arms are open. And he's receiving you just as you are. No matter where you've been in life. No matter how bad you've been. In your own assessment. Jesus receives you just as you are. Their heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to invite you to just hear God's voice this morning. Say, Lord, I respond to you. Just pray right now. God, I respond to you. Lord, I receive your redemption. I receive, Lord, the spiritual vision that you're giving me about your kingdom this morning. That you'll be glorified, Father. Lord, as I respond to you, pray that way in your mind's eye right now. God, I receive your vision for your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, that as we move forward in the next few weeks, that vision will become more real as we see you, Father. Lord, just redeem my heart, I pray. Forgive me, God. Wash me clean. Talk to Jesus right now. He'll do that work for you. And then in response to that, I will invite us put feet to those thoughts that we have, those prayers, and then come forward and respond. Let's stand together. Father, Lord, you know what's going on. You know what you're saying, Father, to each person here today. You know about that young woman. 
you know about her past. You know about the young man today that is struggling. They're fighting something that is like a bondage. And they're saying, Lord, I need to be set free from this. I pray that you'd speak to the young man's heart and that, Lord, that you would set him free. I pray, Lord Jesus, to that husband and wife right now. They're going through a difficult time that you would just minister to them as they are just really working really on the relationship. I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to them. May they bring this concern to you today. May, Lord Jesus, may, Jesus, you have your will with us. May your redemption be personal today as we take this time to respond. I pray, Lord, that we would hear your voice. Pastor Jeff comes and gives us instruction. Remember the redemption of God. This is a season for redemption. This is a time for you to be redeemed. Hear God's voice.